Hello and welcome to She Does Stand Up 2. I'm Matthew. And I'm Laura. And what are we talking about today, Laura? Uh, I would like to talk about writing. Writing? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's been something that I think a lot of people want to get better at. What a vague statement. Very, very... Uh... What a cowardly yeah. stance. Yeah, really, yeah, really put myself out there with yeah. that wow. hot, hot take on writing. Writing. Um, th- th- I get asked a lot, um, how do you write? I don't know. It almost feels like whenever someone asks me that, I'm like, I, I don't know. Like, it, it feels like threatening. Like when you ask, what do you do all day? Like, what do you do all day? But I hear, what do you do all day? I'm like, I know, I know, nothing. Um, so you don't have a formal process? Fun fact, the show Seinfeld, the original... Um, the original uh, idea mm-hmm. for the whole show Seinfeld was, what do comedians do all day? That's the basis <laughs> for the whole show. I mean, it became something else. It became the show about nothing, obviously. Uh, r- writing for me is, uh, I comedians don't know. don't do a ton during the... Or... I don't. Some people do. Some people like write like jokes all day. There's like, some of the, like, the good comics at the cellar, like Sam Morrill will like sit down and write. Mark Norman will sit down and write. I want to know what that like looks like yeah it, it's a frustrating process because when you actually sit down the right the ideas just disappear um for typically you, well clearly not for them not for them but they i call people a lot and i think they you know i think a lot of comics do just to run an idea because a lot of times you'll just you don't the idea doesn't come out clear until someone else is listening i also don't talk a lot of comedians walk around and talk pace and talk out loud because when you hear it out loud you typically say it better than when you're trying to say it in your head you know uh, sometimes when I, sit I don't know, down, I think I'm in my head. I am just nailing it so right, no verbose, and then out loud so verbose. Yeah, the first draft is always so. You think there's like, oh, this has got five punchlines. This has zero punchlines. <laughs> um, I I try to jot down ideas as I have them, and and have the discipline of like, no, actually write it down. You will forget, and it's also so hard to a lot of times you'll have a stray idea if you can't connect the joke to something else it's so hard to fit it in it's always nice to be able to try out some little joke or tag next to a joke you already know works sandwiched in something that works so that when it fails no one really catches it yeah this is great advice but it's not helping my my question of like how do you so how do you generate new material you just I, write I, I down don't, i don't know new ex- you, uh, i'm i don't know I know, I know lifestyle tips I can have that help me generate more material, which is be around people more. Right. Um, and like Lifestyle tips with Matthew. <laughs> be consuming. <laughs> Martha Stewart. There we go. Uh, uh, be consuming uh, new information, which is why I like, like audiobooks. Right. Because it could be like, yeah, you could learn an interesting fact in like a, a nonfiction book, but you could also just hear a word. And like break down that word while you're, you know, reading it, and you're like that word somehow stim- stimulates an idea that you had already. Um, it can be very minute. It can be very macro. So your your ideas just kind of come out of the. Sit down. Keep just keep a good uh, tab of ideas. I think you have ideas all around, mm-hmm. but just write them down as soon as you have them, just to have them. Yeah, that's what I've been. And tweeting jokes. I tweet a lot of jokes. That I've, helps me a lot because it holds me accountable to like producing them and it make, makes me see the response. I'm going to talk now. <laughs> uh, this is great because every time Matthew interrupts me, I get to call him out and now we have a recording of it. Oh, he doesn't like that. <laughs> Keep going. You had something to say. I did. What did I, and I got all distracted by that. Um, no, I mean, I think that this has been something that 
I have some ideas that I've like developed over the last whatever couple of months before even I was thinking about doing stand up when I was kicking around my brain, but I don't have like a really formal process. And I'd be curious um, how how people actually sit down and write. Like, do you just pick a topic out of thin air and then elaborate on it, or? I, I, I can't say I was part of the conversation, but I definitely eavesdropped on a conversation between Colin Quinn and Gary Goldman. I'm not going to say they fair, were talking to me, fair. but I was next <laughs> to it, and I'll pretend like I mean, I'm going to eavesdrop on that all day. Um, you see it in Colin's one of my favorite comics. You see it in his writing style of if you're having trouble, um, force yourself to narrow down the idea. Colin will do a whole special on the Constitution or on yeah, New York incredible. City. He says, you actually, the, the more you constrain yourself, the more you generate. Yeah. Uh, I've, I heard someone describe writer's block as you're not, it's not that you don't have any ideas, it's that you have too many ideas and you can't pick a direction to go. You're overwhelmed by Possibility. the possibilities. Yeah. No, it's been interesting. Um, so one of the things that's been going on for me is I have decided to take, or I'm in the midst of taking a stand-up class, which I know is very, uh, feels like a very big crowd divider mm-hmm. on how, how comics feel about those classes. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am a, a sucker for a syllabus. <laughs> I, I just, if you're going to tell me an organized structure to do something, I will be there 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's been great. It's been um, with Veronica Mosey. She's, act, she's so great. Um, and it's all been really focused on writing, which is part of the reason I've been very interested in other comics. Um process with that hers has been helpful actually um one of the things i wanted to do with this class was you know first of all see how a class goes down it's been very interesting watching you know people come out of the woodwork to Mm -hmm. to try to be funny and some of them are are funny and some of them are so not yeah just don't get it and maybe they will i don't know if that's something that can change over time but i'm like oh get a long road ahead not that i know but it can people can switch it's yeah, especially I, in that first year, know. people go from having no idea what they're doing to like it's been fun to get it. it um, I, I've been hearing your notes from the class. It's it's more philosophical than I thought it would be. It's more of I think her you class particularly particularly has been because um, apparently, yeah, she she's a really big writing heavy. Like her perspective is that if you have some good jokes up there, you're like the the act of performing them is secondary to the material. I, I feel the same way, but only yeah. because I can't perform. <laughs> well, I've never I made think... a joke work without the words being there. Sure, yeah. And you just need to, if you're confident in your material, then all of a sudden your brain can open up to the performance aspect. Whereas if you're not confident to the material, in the material, then it'd be very difficult to act through it. I don't mm. know. Probably some people can. Um, but that was part of the reason I wanted to do the class with her is that I'd heard that. And it's been... Um, it's been really helpful. So I'm trying to write all new stuff. Not that I have a... T- <laughs> all, all new. Threw away those <laughs> yeah. three minutes. Yeah, that's... Hey. <laughs> we agreed it's like an 11 out of stretch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I have probably another six jokes that I've written through it. Are they all good? No, I'm yeah, sure they're not. I um, see you sitting and writing, which is cool. Yeah, so and it's been... Exactly. It's been really... Um, some of the stuff that she said is like focus on, first of all, in order to avoid being either hack or um, having a joke that someone else has already done, like mm. just focus on writing personally. Amen. Yeah. I mean, 
So I love writing observational comedy, but it's so I don't I don't think I'm nearly good enough to write original observational jokes. I mean, we're all just around the same stuff, so I would guess it's pretty well trod subjects at this point. I was talking to some, the comic named uh, Kermit, who I did a corporate gig with, and he was saying, "Oh yeah, this Kermit, was, the... yeah, yeah." He he was saying we 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 did a Q and A at this golf course for the four comics who were on yeah. the show. Can you just describe the? Oh yeah, it was a, a it was at a resort in South Carolina, a really really nice golf course, staying in a really really nice house uh, hotel. We did a, a clean gig. That's all be in the back, shaking his ears out. Ah, wow, you can really hear his footsteps. Um, Stop walking. He heard golf. He heard ball, yeah. ball, ball, golf ball, golf ball. Um, he so we did this show. I had to do a clean twenty minutes for for a. Uh, I mean, it was a golf course in South Carolina, so it's not. It was there was a distinct vibe to the crowd. I was very intimidated. It was also one of my first corporate gigs on a circuit uh, that could be very lucrative, <laughs> um, and I had to be clean. And it, it ended up being uh, a very fun show. Um, I. I I feel very fortunate that I actually have a decent amount of clean material, so it wasn't that hard to shift gears. I didn't have to edit too much, and uh, I, the other comics on it were great, and they have a lot more experience. They were uh, older than me, uh, and they have a lot more experience doing that circuit. You do have a lot of... Um, it's not like squeaky clean by any means. It's clean enough for that, though. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which would be useful. And the political stuff went over well. Because my political stuff is kind of uh, middle of the road. Or my political stuff is written to think that I'm on your side. <laughs> I kind of try to take, I, I like, either I admit to being on, on, you know, on the left, but making fun of the left, or um, any shots I take it. I don't, I don't know how to explain that. But it's, it's You're fun. You're a lone wolf. No, just no, it's just taking, yeah, not taking any side too soon. I, I, I don't like my jokes being based on you needing to agree with me. That's fair. Um, we talking about why were we talking about corporate gig? Um, oh, because Kermit was saying someone asked him what about observational comedy. He was like, I have no ability nor interest in writing observational comedy. I just talk about myself, and that's the best material. But I have to force myself to talk about myself. I'd like to make observations, but I'm a white guy. Yeah. Who cares about my opinion? Well, no, I. That's you a good that attitude. A well, you, that's a, you say that to me. Like, that's a good attitude. Well, I mean, sometimes if you try to write like a, a t- joke about like women's rights, and I'm like, you here's can. the thing about women. Yeah, just, <laughs> here's the thing about ladies, and I'm like, this isn't your topic. Right, I mean, but you, you can obviously. I'm being annoying. Which is why I've been writing a lot about being Cajun lately because there's so little material on that. I love that. that. Yeah, yeah, it's an open area, um, and that was really one of the main. So one of the main tips from Veronica's class was to write about yourself, and mostly write about your stances on things Mm -hmm. um and then in the perspective obviously of whatever your background culture age gender um so doing things like thinking about your childhood and things that you considered weird or that you didn't like or that you had a strong emotion towards and that was another thing was that everything she wants all of the jokes at least initially obviously you know learn the process before you break it um to be rooted in something that you feel strongly about. Yeah. Um, like it's either annoying to you or you hate it or you even love it, I guess, a lot. Though the negative ones tend to seem to have more funny stuff attached to them. If for some reason jokes have to be... I have this thing, this belief that they kind of have to be negative in some way. 
And that's why it's really fun to... Because well, I try to spin my jokes from a, what am I excited about? What am I happy about? I hear you. But one of... Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I thought at first that they would all have to be negative. But then one of the jokes that I'm happiest about that I've come out of the class with is about loving jury duty. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say any more about it, but... Ooh, stay tuned. So, hey, come to an open mic in New York City to, to see that bad boy live. <laughs> Come see it at Climate Lounge. <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, I, I think that's just a new trend because if you look at old comedy, most comedy was, you know what sucks? And and so much of comedy was also, you have to agree with the premise. So much of, I feel like some somewhere there was a turn and I, I want to say it was with Louis of, I'm going to take a stance yeah. counter to what the, the common feeling is on this subject. I'm going to say something opposite of how most people feel. And then uh, try to get you on board using some kind of convoluted logic. Uh, my mm-hmm. my joke is I like high rent. That's one of my opening like lines to a joke. Right. Yeah. And that just gets people's attention. And that's kind of the other thing is she also breaks it down like you're almost a lawyer. Like mm-hmm. you you take a stance, you yeah. describe the stance in more, and then you better like yeah you have to defend your stance. But are you learning like and then joke? You twist it. Are you learning like joke structure, joke dynamics? Because that's the part. That's interesting. It seems like less of that than I would have thought. It's more yeah, it's I think perspective and story. I would have frankly liked that to be longer, but I, I do understand. I mean, we spend a large part of the class reading the material we wrote. So that's another thing. I, I mean, I get that people don't like classes, and I'm sure there's so many different varieties of what they look like, and a lot of them are probably a money grab. But frankly, <laughs> I'm like, I've, I did improv for a long time. Talk about a money grab. Yeah, I'm... It's fine. <laughs> this guy's on a house team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm like, I've already, like, we're already Rock so far down that hole. Like, yeah, exactly. Legends, She's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but the one thing that has been, I mean, the having to go into class every week with new shit written. That's why I like sketch class. And yeah. if you don't, she's like, what the fuck were you doing this week? I don't think. Which is, I need that just like, hey, if I don't do this, I'm going to get publicly shamed in like a, this group setting that's on monday the ultimate motivator it i think that's really, why i do stand-up comedy I, for a living because the only job where if you fail you're yeah. embarrassed and that's the one thing i can't be oh my god it's been the best motivator ever i've written so much because of it just yeah. being like hey if i don't i'm gonna get called out yeah every monday <laughs> that was sketch class for me every i was so motivated every tuesday i was so motivated something's like, gotta I come can't. out of your brain and it might be garbage and that's okay but you massage garbage then you massage, yeah. You sh- massage then you write it. it, and you're just like next page. Next page. Notebook. Uh, the, I've also you also have to accept you're going to write a lot of bad ideas. A lot yeah. of a lot of what stifles not- is is like you. It's so it's not that it's even hard to write, but it's just knowing that ninety nine percent of what comes out of that pen is going to be not worth saying out loud. She had some kind of fun term for it, but like an idea, maybe back of the notebook or something. We were mm-hmm. like. Well, right now that is nothing, um, but there was obviously something that attracted me to this, so I'm just gonna let it just sit in my notebook, yeah. and maybe three months from now, maybe a couple of years from now, I flip back and it works, and maybe it's yeah. Fine. Well, you look at something again from a new angle. That happens to me a lot. Um, a lot of times it'll be like two or three years of an idea that was always there, and then one day, a lot of times it'll come from just saying it to someone. I'll be I'll be talking in conversation, and the idea will be adjacent to something we're already discussing. And I'll just kind of say the thought in a conversation mm-hmm. and it'll I'll word it better because I'm saying it again new to someone. I'm like, yeah, that's worth making into a joke now. Yeah. 
And then obviously the other thing that she's always recommended was the second you have something that you think could be a joke, write it down. I agree. Don't forget. It's like that. Uh, what's that Mitch Hedberg joke? My job as a comedian is, you know, write down funny ideas unless, uh, unless my notebook's too far away. Then my job is convincing myself it wasn't that good anyway. <laughs> Butchered that, but yeah. I had, so I've had uh, an interesting week. I, in the last week I watched Hassan Minaj's new hour that he's working on. Uh, and Moses Storm that he's working on, and both of them will be doing some kind of major special, hour special with it. And both of them Hopefully are really <laughs> funny. Uh, and both of them are really have an overarching theme to their hour, which is something I've never had. This kind of force for, for the trees concept. I'm like all about the trees, and I rarely I'll put jokes together into long jokes, but I don't know what my so through line, need, my perspective. I don't right. know the point of all. Of it. They tell long stories. I'm so obsessed with the individual punchlines. And what's fun is watching these two is like, the, the, they don't care. They'll, they'll get the laugh one way or another. They're more interested in what am I saying and not betraying the, the message they're trying to deliver. Because right. a lot of times to get a laugh, you'll have to contradict your belief. And a lot of times if you really want to get a, get a big laugh on the joke, one of the best ways to do it is to just reverse course and, and twist on everything you've said. Um, they aren't willing to do that, which is very impressive. I know Hassan, you know, w worked with John Stewart, right? And I'm, I'm sure that has John Stewart's one of those, one of the, the best comedians to ever live, and one of the best examples of commit to the idea you're selling. The jokes are a dime a dozen. The perspective is is what. So that's weirdly like pay for version million of like. <laughs> Well, no, because that's down. kind of what Veronica's teaching No, exactly. You. That's what I was saying is like the it's it's the root of what I'm trying to do right now mm -hmm. when I'm talking about loving jury duty. Yeah. Um, all the way to, hey, what is my message to humanity? Yeah. <laughs> which, which my message to humanity is that I love jury duty. Yeah. You, I, I should work on have... that. <laughs> I don't know. The, but either but, way, but... It's, the same, it's the same kernel underneath is that it's something that you feel strongly about and then are going to hopefully make funny. Yeah. That's the part that I'm still like, how do but you how do you bridge that guy? <laughs> I watched and I walked into uh, Dave Attell doing new joke night at the cellar on Tuesday and there's no message. There's not like So it's just yeah. It's and it's But it makes sense brilliant. that Hassan would obviously Right. And have... I do think the marketplace right now was more interested in the what's your message you're sending home. Right. That's what people pay for. I don't know if it was Chris Rock who said it. He definitely didn't say it to me. Uh, but <laughs> people people don't remember the punchline. They remember the premises. They don't remember the punchlines. Which is weird because as a comedian, you put so much work into the punchlines being perfect. And the premises feel like, yeah, well, I know I can write a premise. Right. Uh, so, but, but people walk away being like, what was that joke? They'll be able to quote what the joke was about, but will not be able to say the punchline back to you. Huh. I've never heard that. And That's interesting. It's very true. And, it's, and I, you're right, I, actually. I think about some of the... My favorite jokes in, like, the salt and pepper diner one. Yeah. Right. But what are the beats in that? Right. Exactly. Right. If I mean, if I, really, comedy, yeah. if I really sat down and thought through it, I'd be able to come up with them. But, but you, that's not you what that I joke, remember when I'm just yeah. thinking about a joke. When you think of that joke, you actually picture that setting. You picture two kids yeah. in a diner and, like, a, you know, a, a fist-pounding dad. Uh, I, I always equate it to rap. I think one of the similar things is with rap of, like, Comedians, your job is to make people laugh. So the punchlines are the currency, but it's not what people remember. Mm -hmm. They have fun laughing. Like with rap, you have to rhyme. 
You have to rhyme. That's the only thing rap has to do. It doesn't have to send any message. It doesn't have to be. Songs can be whatever length they want to be. And we don't remember. For, for When Eminem sat down, he probably was just like, probably took him a long time to figure out spaghetti rhymes with arms are heavy. Yeah. Right? But that's not what we well, care about. That's not, that it needed to be there. Otherwise it wouldn't be a rap like it wouldn't be a rap song, but what made it great was the emotion, the picture he's painting, uh the the, the story right. being told. But the well, work yeah. for him was was And and you're right because I mean ultimately you're always trying to every I I'm trying to make everything I consume as a, a listener mm-hmm. about myself. That's really my main focus there so whenever i listen to lose yourself i'm of course picturing whatever bullshit corporate right like email battle i'm in right now with whoever and i'm like oh like eminem really gets me yeah or or uh uh what's the other song till i collapse it's just yeah it's like me running a peloton exactly yeah (laughs) exactly but it, so, yeah, it's I get caught up in the craft i get caught up in the little details like i'm if i was a rapper i'd be like can you believe I found a word that rhymes with flamingo. Like that would be my pride point. Yeah. Ultimately, the I think the message does come. You with, do have a message, but I think you're more just... by accident. <laughs> it's not like a. a I use premise. I mean, uh, premises are just a framework for me to fix punchlines to. Right. Which is so backwards from how I should be doing it. I feel. Well, I mean, That's... it's probably easier to add on the layer of like what's my overarching message. It is that than it. Yeah. yeah, so, when you write so a maybe punchline, like up top to start yeah. being pretty joke heavy and stuff and then you can move more like what am I saying? Yeah. I have no idea. I'm going to really just, I would love to have any of these. <laughs> Problem? A message or a joke. Right. Well, <laughs> in the early stages, right now. Yeah, in the early stages, it is just about getting laughs. That's all you need to be doing for, for the first sure. couple years. And then Hell, I think you'll yeah. naturally insert your style and, and message. But those the beats the beats and that's, I, I hope I, to get to worry about that one day. One day. That's the goal. One day. Um, but it's hard. I mean, I one thing that I think has been this has been a really really tough month for me with work. How much stand up you been doing, Laura? Not as much as I'd like. No. Well, especially I've had this class, so like qu- quite a bit of writing in it. Um, but performance wise, I've it's just. You know, I work a corporate job, so I'm I work from home, which is great, and so it's pretty adaptable in a lot of a lot of the time. But there are definitely times of year where it's it's not, mm-hmm. and this is one of them right now. Uh, hopefully, I'm out of it. I think I'm almost done with this. There's a couple projects wrapping up, but you used to I you didn't have a job like yours. I had a nine to yeah, five. Yeah, but it's it was stressful, I, but not a huge workload. It, yeah, I mean, my job also. I need to just be better about putting limits, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about, like, I know you did, you worked full time for a pretty good chunk of the, you didn't go full into comedy for quite some time, right? Or maybe not timeline wise, but like you moved and stuff and like kept working. And can you just talk about, I did. So I was working a nine to five finance job when I started comedy. And and for the first three, four months, I was kind of just doing like one spot a week on average mm-hmm. and then somewhere I don't know exactly when it turned but I realized there were more mics there were mics every night of the week and I, I thought it was like I realized it was like swimming of like just do the most reps and you'll be the funniest so it became my goal to do as many as I could why and did you realize that did you see someone who was just grinding and getting a lot better no. and noticed no but I think I just listened I don't know someone just people tell you that they're like just it's just about repetition it's just and I was like 
I, I didn't want to believe it because I wanted to be lazy. And then something flips where I was like, this is, this is a game now. This is a game where I do the most sets. It doesn't matter if they're good or bad. I just do the most comedy. Um, and, right. you, and it's 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 always so magical to me. I'm like, you do more comedy, you get better. You don't even feel it happening, even if you're not consciously focusing on getting better. You should focus on it. But even if you're not, you just get better by sheer repetition. Uh, did, we, did, we, did we do the skydiving analogy already? I don't know the skydiving. I, I, Maybe we have, it's, and I it's, have the memory of a goldfish. People, like, people always say, why do I get so nervous? And it's, it's, it's because you should. You should get nervous going on stage because you're in a position where you might potentially embarrass yourself to the point where you not might not be able to pass on your DNA, which is why when you go on stage, you're, you're as scared as you were as if you were risking your life because you're potentially risking your gene pool, which is the only reason we all exist. So that stage fright is a very real, rational phenomenon. So basically uh, with skydiving, you might die and not pass with, on your DNA. On stage, you might bomb so hard that no one will sleep with you. Yes, <laughs> yes. But yeah, skydiving, if you get on a plane, like you're like, why am I nervous? That analogy. <laughs> why? I don't know. If you're, if you're getting women, out of it, you're, you're going to be fine. The you're point gonna, I'm trying to make is someone will pass their DNA to you. <laughs> no one jumping out of a plane says, why am I so nervous? It makes a lot of sense why you're nervous. But if you just get up and do it enough, you fry those synapses. And, and it, at some point, instructors stop being nervous. So your goal when you start doing stand-up is fry your stage fright uh, uh, synapses to the point where you don't get nervous. Because when, once you stop being nervous, then you start getting a lot funnier. That's most of it. Most of it's comfort and the crowd feeling like you're in control. So that's your, really your only goal. And, and I, you know, I'm still working on that part of it. I could still be a lot more relaxed on stage. Right. Um, I am not relaxed on stage at all. No. I'm not. I'm, I'm very comfortable with my material, but I don't do enough crowd I work. So be. I don't fry. Like, I'm, I get very nervous when things are off the planned course. But I feel like your crowd work has gotten, maybe it's just being in New York. I just do it quick. Done... I make it quick. I'm, not, I'm afraid that some, some comedians just be like, I'm, we're going all in on this. I'm like. I'm going into this until I find one laugh and I'm going straight back to what I wanted to do because I don't want it to get out of hand. And I sometimes mm -hmm. I have, I'm, I'm so jokey that it's hard transitioning back into material because once you kind of like reveal you your true self. Kermit, again, was talking about that. Kermit was talking about, he was like, I'm very self-effacing and if I do crowd work and I'm too mean to someone, uh, then when I try to back, go back to being like, oh, I'm just a big dork. I'm like, no, nah, you're a bully and we just saw it. Um, so yeah. it kind of compromises his persona. Oh, that's funny. Isn't that funny? That, yeah. Yeah. I get too, it's also when, when I get like angry at a crowd member, it's real. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not like cute angry. I'm like, that's just this guy. That's a stern man. <laughs> it's just a, that's just a curmudgeonly like middle-aged man on stage <laughs> lecturing a, a drunk lady. <laughs> and now we have to laugh at him again. Now we have to. Yeah. And now he's going to go back to me like, well, I'm bad at sports. Um, I had so I had a job, yeah, nine to five. But I was I was working during days, and I was doing mics every night, and I was just exhausted all the time, and I was willing to let my work suffer as a result, which you're not. Yeah, well, my I mean, job wasn't like yours. It was uh, I made about a fifth of what you make. I mean, it's more the fact that I again I will get called out if I have not done my job. Yes. So there's just a ton of deadlines and like, you know, accountability. I was more creative when I had a day job. Yeah, that's one thing is that I, you know, we were talking about like being able to root jokes and emotion. Mm. Certainly a lot of things I feel passionately about as yeah. a result. Like how much I hate certain email etiquette and stuff yes. like that. One of my like like crowning jokes, one of my jokes I did on my first CV set was about just like being frustrated with the secretary 
at our office because she was older and just didn't understand technology. Yeah, exactly. The, uh, the you know, I mean, well, why I does it the... not work when I do it? Because I changed the settings to fuck with Sharon, that joke. <laughs> Uh, that was a good one. It's silly enough. Simple, but it was simple. like, I. But I also. I have the same, yeah, same perspective. Another thing that really got me through all of it, which you don't have, was I was working in finance. I was studying to be a, a chartered financial analyst, which is this ungodly test. It's like a test, uh, three years uh, of tests, and you basically have to cram in three college courses into mm-hmm. each test in your spare time. So I bought this big book. I paid for the test and I was going home and studying. I remember I was studying for a few weeks and then I got uh, booked for Adam Devine's house party. Uh, I remember like, I just closed nah. the book and just never opened it again. Oh, no. But I was, I was, it was all this work and, and in my mind I was like, it was so frustrating. Like all this stuff I'm doing and learning during the day might be completely useless and all this stuff I'm learning and doing at night might be completely useless. I only get to do one of these in the long term. I don't know which I'll, if I'll succeed at comedy so maybe finance will be my living or maybe comedy will be and I'll never think about finance again. Right. So the only way I could uh, make it all feel worthwhile was I, I constructed a, uh, a financial analyst correspondent for The Daily Show, whose voice I would write. And so I tried to make my jokes kind of in this persona, and I wrote, I think, like one or two sketches to film uh, about being the financial. And it was, it was kind of this character, a little bit based on John Hodgman's uh, Evil Billionaire, but of like this really callous uh, Wall Street bro with, with, you know, who loved money and had no regard for humanity. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you know facetiously defended the practices of big banks. And it allowed it all to feel like it was for something. And that, that got me through it. Combining the two right. made me feel like nothing was to waste. And, and psychologically, I was in a lot better spirits when that happened. That's I love that concept. And I'm trying to think right now how I could do that with my job. But... Well, right jobs about tech like yeah. look at look at what's what's it uh goldman sachs elevator is that the the twitter account where it's some overheard oh, goldman overheard sachs again. yeah i'm sure there's a tech version a yeah. lot of a lot of people will like do comedy accounts based on their day job and you want to connect with an audience but it's weird because you have once something again, i don't i mean i work from home though so it's like all so of do my... a lot of people yeah you're right and i guess that's we're not that special, right? Like you're, you're most your audience members at the comedy yeah, cellar have a lifestyle have, like yours. Have similarities more than you'd think. Um, that's interesting. That's something that I should definitely think about. Yeah, I'm jealous uh, of that. I'm not jealous of your whole life. It's exhausting, and I yeah. Right. You cry a lot. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sometimes, if I get a, if I get one of my only after you hang up. <laughs> I know. I'm a pretty good actress on these calls. But I would I would take your observations from that and 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 share them. I mean, having yeah. and, and the jokes that don't work for a broad audience that seem too niche, keep those jokes tucked away for when you I mean, I have I have a whole set I can do just for medical conferences. I have a whole set I can do just for Jewish community centers. So I work in cybersecurity, so I'll have like a pretty refined tech, like We talk about tech as being an industry. Control. Tech is just going to be most jobs. Like in the next like 20 years most like we won't refer to things as tech. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's like tech, it's like you, being on the death star being say, like I work in tech. Say, I'm like, yeah, we live in a, a, a When you say tech, that's such a broad category right. still. Like, you mean involving computers like yeah, fucking everything? Literally all it's jobs. It's like tech <laughs> and knitting. Those are the two industries. Knitting. Yeah, like even even like farmers have tech. Yeah, absolutely. Even absolutely. Yeah, it's like apps for them. So maybe maybe combine the two, and I would I would stay out every night until I would usually go to sleep at one. I had to be at work by nine. Uh, so I remember if I could be to sleep by one, it was a good night. 
if I was asleep by two, it was a, it was gonna be a bad day. And then I would swim after work every day. And uh, the the biggest da- downside of all of it is I was always grumpy and tired. I was always very frustrated and angry mm-hmm. from being. But I was 23, 24, 25. Oh, so you had unlimited energy. I had you could. That's one I didn't thing notice. Is, yeah, and yeah. I was so you can bounce back from so anything. Excited, like it was it was it was like. Such smaller things meant so much more. Being like, I have a feature week, or I was like, I'm hosting at the Improv in six weeks, right? right? And I'd circle out my calendar, and everything would be like, oh, I'll see if I can get a new bit working by then. It was, it was just, it was just adrenaline. Um, like every week, there was a new thrill. Or the contest is coming up, or this week I'm going to Dallas, or I'm doing spots in Austin this weekend. Mm-hmm. My boss was chill with it. I remember for the first time my boss saw me perform. He came to a show. It was a good show. It was at the Improv. It must have been a Sunday night. And I remember after I got off stage, I texted him. I go, am I fired? Because <laughs> I was really afraid he was going to be like offended. And he was like, he loved it. He was so supportive of it. That's so cute. My boss, he he's very excited about me doing this, but does the same thing, like wants to come to a show. And I'm like, no. First of all, cute. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not going to have you come to a mic in New York. Absolutely not. Goodness. Yeah. Um, but maybe in like, a year, a couple of years. If I'm going first on a show, I don't like to invite someone. Yeah, I want to see. I want them to see me at my best. You were so self conscious about that when we first started dating. Um, Matt, I lived in Austin, and so Matt came out and was doing shows. And like on the second, first night, the first night, first night we went, we to, went to we went to dinner, and then I I knew you had early morning practice. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, it sucks. You got to go to sleep. And yeah, and like, I was like, no, uh, we're really this guy is. <laughs> First of all, time out. Like, we're going to have dinner and then he's going to try to bounce? Like, that is not how my dates usually go. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm Got coming with you. Ass. No. <laughs> Excuse no me. Yeah, so we went, we went to True Food in Austin yeah. on the, on the, on, uh, the lake, or mm-hmm. the river. The river that's actually a lake. Yep. And uh, I remember it was walking distance to the Velvet. I was doing like a twenty minute set. I was like, yeah, featuring. you had a good, you had a good spot there. It was, it was a good spot, but it was a small crowd. So I he's like, yeah, I have a show, and I was like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna come to the show. And, and he's I like, you, you were like, you don't have to. No. It's totally fine. I was like, no, I'm coming. <laughs> it's not. I wasn't asking. <laughs> I did just okay. I remember I did just you did okay. Great. I did fine. I did at best good. But it was one of those. It was. I mean, it I've was, seen it was better sets. The most frustrating performance because it was just good. I always say, doing do bombing isn't the worst thing. Doing just okay is way worse than bombing, because in your mind it was a kind of set where it was like you could think this is the best I am. Mm-hmm. You could believe this is the best I am. If I did any worse, you'd be like, he's probably better than this, right? But this was this was just enough that you could believe this was all I had. It was like. I could see how he's kind of made a career out of this, you know? I knew you were. I also didn't really care. Mm-hmm. I was and then, like, that's great. That but then does. you came to, uh, what's it called the next night? Uh, uh, Austin Java. And I did like a 10-minute set. And that one, I think I, I had a very good set. I remember it was the same material, but I was like, at least she gets to see me getting a crowd excited. I guess, yeah. That was the, we had been, out, at, we had been out on Rainy Street for most of the day. Matt also Duncan does these. Carson show with Matt the, does these puns, the Monday pun day, um, like binder that you would carry around. You still yeah. carry around a lot, and it was our, I guess, second date. Second night, yeah. Yeah, and he came to a bar with a bunch of my friends on Rainy Street with the binder. I was like, <laughs> I had shows that I always bring my binder. I know it was shows. really. I mean, now in retrospect, I'm like, makes complete sense. But at the time, I was like, 
I, I made them. What's happening? I made them do a Rorschach test. <laughs> yeah. at a bar of these like pun drawings, which actually it was really fun, but it was um, unusual. You're an unusual man. Well, that's when I made friends with, uh, with all your friends. Yeah, they were Rona, good. Rona, and I really connected over that. Yeah, they were really into it. It was fun, but it was definitely like not a typical date. And then we went to his show, and I was like, "All right, this may as well happen." So what, back to LA with you. I'm gonna stay in Austin. <laughs> <laughs> what, what what are you experienced with balancing work and trying to do open mics right now? Because a lot of what happens for you is is going to open mics is so. If you've had a bad day at work, I see this. Like <sighs> an open mic, you're more likely to have a bad set than a good set. Yeah. So why would you want to have a bad day and then go wash it down with another? Well, I think that's been the, that's been what I've been trying to figure out the the best way to balance it. Because there's definitely times at work where I'm like you finish the day and you are emotionally drained. And oftentimes I'll work like that'll be a good time for me to work out like mm-hmm. right after the day kind of wraps and work and just, it's a good cleansing thing and resets my brain. And I'm like, okay, no, I don't really care about all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and that was, that helps me go and do a mic. But I think this month, just because it's been like really like a lot, really, really excessive. Um, which happens, you know, you have projects that come through. It's not a huge deal. It goes away. It's temporary. Um, but I have not been able to reset. So it's been, it's been really difficult because I'm like, if I go have a bad set at a mic, I'm going to have a breakdown. Um, but then it's like this weird guilt. Does that ever go away? Every time I don't go, I'm like, I call like, it, I call I, it the itch, the itchiness. Yeah, when I feel I'm on, when I when I go like three days without like standing, I just feel itchy. Person? Like, yeah. I'm like, wow. Well, you really, you really failed, Laura. You haven't gone to, to your stand-up set tonight. It's like exercise. And yeah, it kind of yeah. does feel the same way yeah. as if I don't work out. Of like, what idea did I have today that I didn't try on stage that I'm gonna forget to have forever? What what material well, did I lose? That's why you gotta write it down. Yeah, but there is. Back, I do have a feeling. Full I do, circle. Coming coming back to writing, there is a thing that happens of some jokes I work on for years and never happen, and then some jokes I think of that day and try them on stage, and they become like bits I do for years. Yeah. Because I had the passion to try it that day. If you wait a little too long, you start being like, "Well, oh, is it really that funny?" I don't know. Like, well, nothing's really that funny when you overconsider it. But if you, you got sometimes you just got to have that blind. I'm gonna fucking try my. Um, though it was your idea. My queer eye joke. I remember I tried it on stage, just the premise, yeah, and it got a laugh. And then I was like, "Well, that was really fun. The crowd really connected with the premise, though I can't say there was a, really a punchline there." And then I was just so well, excited about. Funny, it, I wrote the punchline the next time. What's funny is that it. that premise is more of a groan laugh of like recognition. Yeah, because that when you do that full joke, it's always like they laugh, but they're all like, "Oh, like, you know, I." That's I get cheers ridiculous. or I get claps. Women claps are like, yeah. Claps people like, are like, ugh. Like, it's either it's like, oh, you ruined that show for me or yeah, he's right or yeah. But then the punchline. The punchline's like, a punchline. Bring them all back together. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's two punchlines. So do you think, what do you think I should do as far as work? Do you think I need to be tougher and just go to more mics? I mean, I'm going to do whatever I, I mean, want. My, my, my attitude is going gonna, gonna to be garbage yardage for the first garbage couple Garbage yardage. Yeah. But then there's also the balance of like, mental well-being yes yes there's there's too much the one thing i hate about open mics not the one thing there's many things i hate (laughs) about open mics one thing i hate about open mics is there's this general attitude that you need to be depressed and unhappy to be funny i hate it i hate it so much it's it's prevalent through all of art right i think ron funches is someone who, who i've talked to about this um 
I've listened to about this. <laughs> but he says, why, why, why do you want to be an unhappy person? You're not funnier when you're unhappy. I mean, the joke should be from a place of self-deprecation because that makes other people feel less alone. But ultimately, like, you want to be an like a... When, when I'm on stage smiling and having a good time, I do a lot better. That's a good point. I mean, I don't think there's many comics that I've seen go on stage and just look genuinely upset. And I'm like, this is a good time for all of us. I can name one. Lenny Marcus is just pissed off on his whole... I love... He's, he, he's one of the strongest comics at the cellar. He kills as hard as almost anyone... But the fact that you, but you're like, I can name one. I can name one. And I'm one. sure there's a but bunch. But he's also I mean, Louis Black kind of like, his whole yeah. thing is being an ink. But it's always... But those are people who, who seem powerless to do anything about it. It's always yeah. like a little nerdy guy who's like, you know what I fucking hate? And it's also just I like... Look like I look like I could do something mad. about it. Like, it's like, I never feel like if I had a conversation with him, he'd still be mad. Yeah. You know, like, if you, like, pulled him off stage, he right. would be like... Ex- Exception that proves the rule. I, I think um, you need to have a life and you need to be like a reasonably happy person outside of comedy to make comedy work. Though sure I do I'm believe sure. at the beginning there's there's no balance. <laughs> when you're open micing, uh, sacrifice that balance. And then years later you have to learn. I mean, you learned that with swimming. You had to you, you had to learn how to have yeah. a life because you saw swimmers who were just swimmers. And at some point it actually hurts yeah. your you, swimming. Or, if you care too much, it almost is... Um, bad yeah like you won't eat ice cubes <laughs> we had a friend who was a swimmer who wouldn't eat ice cubes because it was a waste of calories to bring them oh no i don't know about that i know i had a friend who wouldn't eat ketchup because of the calories oh which okay that's a, that's a whole other that's a whole other dark side of sports a whole nother <laughs> uh that feels like a good place to end that feels like a good place to end uh no ketchup that's if we've learned anything today is ketchup is just sugar powder water yeah it's delicious okay well uh what are we talking about next week week are we doing this weekly i mean it's been kind of week and a half ish averaging or so um i am going to some mics today so i'm going from here probably in a couple like i'm gonna work out and then go and then so i'll report on those and then maybe talk about I don't know. It'll be a surprise. Yeah, I'm gonna work on this sculpture that's almost done. Yeah, you have a lot coming up. You're going to the. Um... You're not allowed to say that yet. Shit, we're gonna cut this part. We're gonna cut this part. You can bleep it out. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>